Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have registered dietitian and sugar addiction coach, David Wolf. We want to be in connection with other people. That's super important. You need to find other people that eat like you do. Um, or you need to find like people that used to eat like you do. That's even more important. Um, Bitten and I use this concept of like the red dog and the blue dog. But there's a grandson talking to his grandfather and his grandfather explaining that there's two wolves inside each person. One is like the wolf of anger and resentment and frustration. And the other is like the wolf of calm, peace and serenity. And the, and the little boy asks the grandfather which one wins. And he says, oh, the one you feed. So we have to feed the right, we call that the blue dog, which is the recovery and the red dog is like the disease. So we have to feed the blue dog and starve the red dog. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you're doing amazing today. I'm excited to share David Wolf with you. One of the most common things I see when teaching those the ketogenic way and the members in my Keto Camp Academy is the transition away from carb addiction, sugar addiction, to resetting your palate, if you will, to healthier fats and foods that we know fuel the body. And on this episode, David Wolf is gonna talk about that, the importance of using a ketogenic lifestyle. And what are four ways to overcome sugar addiction for good, how it works at a scientific level, and how it works in the brain, and why sugar is so addicting. So this is gonna get into psychology, physiology, we're gonna get into keto, fasting, and some of the tools and strategies that David has been using with his clients and uh, some of the tests and quizzes he's learned from his mentor, Bitten, Bitten Johnson. Shout out to Bitten. She's doing great work out there. So if you're somebody who is challenged with carb addiction, sugar addiction, and you have all the best intentions to get, to detach, I should say, away from that, this episode will be super helpful for you. And before I bring David on, I want to thank you and acknowledge you for choosing the Keto Camp Podcast out of all the podcasts out there. If you're brand new, welcome. Please consider subscribing. We release two to three brand new episodes every single week. Here at Keto Camp, we're on a mission to educate and to inspire one billion people on planet Earth. We've had some of the greatest researchers and scientists and doctors and amazing humans come on the show. And I'm committed here to provide this information that is transformational. If you want to learn about how I teach keto and fasting and how to do it the right way, I have a free ebook for you. It's called The Keto Kickstart Guide. Very helpful for somebody who is brand new to keto. There's also some example meal plans in there. It's 100% free, and you could probably read it in less than 30 minutes and have a good idea on what to do next. Head over to ketokickstartguide.com to claim that free download and take a screenshot of this episode with myself and David Wolf, 
share it on Instagram and shoot me a tag. My Instagram handles at thebenazadi and at ketocampofficial. When we see it, we'll share it on our story. We'll get some other keto campers following you back. Let's get into this episode with registered dietitian, sugar addiction coach, David Wolf. David Wolf is the founder of Trigger Free Nutrition. He is a registered dietitian and a sugar addiction coach. David has been working as a registered dietitian since 2013 when he started his career in hospital care and then became a certified nutrition support clinician to better support his patients unable to eat by mouth. He's also a board member of the Food Addiction Institute, FAI, and he serves as co-chair for its webinar committee, editing and managing their bi-monthly food addiction webinars for the FAI YouTube channel. David Wolf, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. Yeah, we've been going back and forth chatting on Facebook, and there's a lot of alignment between what we teach, and it's great to have you on here. It's long overdue, and you're doing some cool work. We're going to get all into food addiction and diabetes and your trigger food triangle, but before we do, how did you get involved with this work, David? Yeah, so my mom's a self-proclaimed food addict, so we kind of I kind of grew up in a home where food addiction was pretty rampant. It's definitely in our, my family, and then uh, it took me... Geez, a long time to realize that that's what was going on with me. I remember as a kid going home and just like, as soon as I got home from school, I'd like hit the downstairs pantry and grab like eight, eight bags of gummy bears and like hide the wrappers. Or like um, when I like threw stuff away, I'd like put it in the garbage can, like beneath something else, you know, so that people wouldn't find stuff. And it just, and that kind of happened throughout my life. And then I got to this point where I was actually like helping other people um, who were sugar addicts or food addicts. And then I entered in this training in Iceland and realized, well, well, like I have this problem to a degree, I need to do something about it. And then, um, I've basically spent my time since then, like learning about, um, food addiction, sugar addiction, um, the recovery process, how to heal the body and the brain. And that kind of, it brings me up to speed. I'm a registered dietitian, but pretty much everything I practice with food addicts is everything that they don't want me to practice as a dietitian, so um, kind of like off the cuff. Um, so that's how we, we heal people. How did you, so that's interesting because yeah, you're a registered dietitian and like you said, a lot of the principles you teach are not really what they taught you. So at, at what point during your training or after you were done, did you realize that this is actually not going to help the, the person, it's going to hurt them? And how difficult was it to make that, or was it difficult to make that transition to what you're doing now? Well, it's really interesting. So I had always been, for the most part, been working with people with like higher fat nutrition, but it was still like a really high like vegetable load. So compared to like how I work with people now, and uh, and I see that that it most of these food plants were developed a long time ago for food addicts, like in the seventies. So they didn't just have the science we had now. So I guess probably the switchover happened about three years ago. I started working with um, a woman named Bitten Janssen. She's um, sugar addiction ex- expert from Sweden. I think you actually, she kind of connected me to you. So yeah, um, you you must know her in some way. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, we're connected. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's really cool. So that's kind of when I got on the much more high fat, low carb movement. Um, and then I saw that it really worked with sugar addicts. It helps stabilize blood sugar. That's a big thing. There's no, there's no like illicit, well, there's no, exaggerated dopamine response from these like low carb high fat foods sure there are some like 
keto foods that are dangerous for food addicts. Um, but we can like work around those. You know, I want to get to those those foods, but before, before we do, the keto foods that can be a problem. Uh, what? So if somebody's listening or watching right now and they have a food addiction, but they don't realize it, what are some things that you do to to see if they actually are addicted to food? So we have this thing called the sugar map. It's like an evaluation tool. Basically, it takes all the principles of the ICD-10, the international coding system um, for substance abuse, and applies it to food. And basically, you you would answer it chronologically, meaning basically with each question matches up to one of the six criteria for addiction. And some of the criteria have more than one question. Like one of the criteria, for example, is like tolerance. Have you needed to eat more than you used to need to eat to get the same effect? So like that, and, and what it does, it maps it out by like what age you were. And then what it, it, it basically projects this like timeline of your life and you can see like basically how bad you've gotten based on where you are in your life and how many symptoms you have out of how many symptoms there are to have. And so if you have more than one symptom, I believe it's in three criteria, then that technically, um, it, it's, it's an evaluatory tool. It's not yet. It's not, it's not validated to be a diagnostic tool yet, but it basically indicates pathological use as opposed to like harmful use. So harmful use would be like a social user, um, someone who like overeats socially or, um, but not pathological use, which is addiction. So that's really cool. And then there's a, um, there are these old school alcoholics, their name was Joe, name, name were Joe and Charlie. And basically they, they were they worked through the AA program, and um, what they did is they came up with these two questions to ask alcoholics to see if they were alcoholic or not. Is it can you stop? Just the first question. The second question is can you stay stopped? So I think that's like it's really succinct and it's really easy. If you can stop and stay stopped, then you're probably not one of us. So it seems like addicts don't have a problem with stopping; they have a problem staying stopped. So. Um, the stopping is easy. Sometimes we stop for 12 hours, sometimes we stop for three days, but then the cravings manifest themselves. And so it's a lot more harder for an addict to stay stopped. Do you see, let's say 10 years ago compared to today, is it harder for somebody to get the, uh, their, their sugar addiction under control or is it becoming easier for that person to get under control? Um, I mean, I think the environment's getting worse, but there's more information available out there for, you know, for us, whether it's through social media or, you know, you, you have the work like the, the low carb conference community and, and people are starting to talk about sugar addiction, like, you know, other podcasts. So I think that to an extent they understand uh, the compulsion, but I don't think, um, I don't think we're talking about like the physical allergy, which is like you have the mental obsession, but you also have the physical allergy, which is like it's a, the physically manifesting cravings. We're not just thinking about eating. The physical body is calling for us to fulfill our cravings or we'll get physically sick. So the, when the addict gets to the point where they're not only eating for effect, they're actually eating to prevent withdrawal. Mm, like when the alcoholic is drinking so they don't get sick, not mm -hmm. when they're drinking to get drunk. So, but so that, that piece is kind of missing. That's interesting. So when I was growing up, I was uh, obese for the first 24 years of my life. And I had a lot of uh, addictions to video games and drugs and also to sugar and bad food. And I remember for me personally, I was uh, not aligned with my highest values. I didn't even know what that term meant. And I was just doing whatever my friends were doing. And mm -hmm. I had this void that I filled with food. And I just remember growing up as a teenager being obese 
and going into my kitchen, going into the refrigerator, the pantry, and just eating food every hour, every two hours, not even because I was hungry, but because I felt like there was a void to fill. And any time I felt like, okay, it's been an hour, my stomach's a little empty, let me fill that void. And I did that for for so many years, and I felt out of control uh, until I thankfully got it under control. So what what was happening to me, um, just based off of what I shared? Yeah. So it, I mean, it sounds like you were, you were manifesting with a craving every two hours. It was probably happening as your blood sugar is coming up as you, and as your blood sugar is coming up, your dopamine is coming up. And then as your blood sugar is tanking, your dopamine is tanking. So then you're basically, your body is manifesting a craving so that you can refill your dopamine meter, which again, your blood sugar, then you release insulin, then your blood sugar comes back down. And then two hours later, you're manifesting in a craving again. So that's, that's, you're not even necessarily in the, what we call the mental obsession. You're just in the physical allergy, the, the, the compulsion to eat food that, um, you know, and you've known ever since you were a little kid, because, um, I don't know if you ever watched like a one-year-old eat cake at like their first birthday. You like, they like, they change. They're like the, I don't know if you've seen the picture on social media with that little girl eating the ice cream cone that's been going around. No, like her eyes are like, Whoa. And, uh, but that's what happens. The, The brain knows. So that pathway has been created so young and that's what differentiates, I think, uh, food addiction from other addictions is the latency period is so young. You're talking about first introduction before the first birthday, whereas generally speaking, alcohol, I don't know, enters the picture somewhere between 10 and 20 usually. Um, but so, it's hard so young. So I think that's probably what was happening. Yeah. And, and also there's a, a, a drug dealer in every corner when we're talking about sugar, right? Ice cream right. truck, yeah. the supermarket, there's drug dealers all over the place. So you have something and called it's the, normal. And it's normal. And it's, it's like, normal. okay. Right. It's not even that. I mean, yeah, it's normal. And it's actually, uh, if you're not giving your kids Gatorade or gummy bears, it's abnormal. And they're looking, right, right, right. They're looking yeah. at like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, give your kids some sugar. They're actually they're playing soccer. They need some sugar. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. And you developed something called the trigger food triangle. Um, how does that come into play? Give us some details on that. Yeah, sure. So I worked with this guy, Bill. He was a formal addiction counselor for drugs and alcohol. And I was working at a hospital actually in a in a, like a weight loss capacity as an RD. And we teamed up and realized that, well, essentially that bariatric surgery provides people with a period of time where they can't eat certain foods because of the surgery, like for like two weeks. So that's like the detox, right? And then so we were trying to use relapse prevention strategies to maintain them, to keep them from eating their drug foods, um, assuming that everyone basically who was undergoing that process was probably a food addict to some degree. So then what we did was we realized that all the foods that people were addicted to fell into three categories. They either caused guilt, debate, or romance. So those are the three points that make up the trigger-free food triangle, right? So if a food makes you feel guilty about eating it, whether you debate about whether you should or shouldn't eat it, or whether there's some element of romance. So romance tends to be the one that's hardest for people to comprehend without like further explanation, but it's more like it's like a rendezvous. These are like pre-planned. They're like eaten in secret. Um, you generally eat them alone. You might like make a McDonald's run and then like hide the wrappers in a different, like in a public trash can so your wife doesn't find them or your kids don't find them, that sort of thing. So that's sort of like element of mysteriousness. And so if a food meets any of those three criteria, then it's considered a drug food. So then it will elicit 
the fulfillment of craving and hence it's connected with the addiction. Most of the foods will connect with like two or three corners of the triangle, generally speaking, because if you have pre-planned debate, then usually after you eat it, it leads to guilt. So I had a lot of that <laughs> growing up. It's interesting how you broke it down. So, all right, we talked about the problem. We talked about how do you know? Uh, now let's talk about some some solutions. What are some practical tips you can share with the audience for them to get on the right track to getting control over this? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, I think the first thing to realize that we're dealing with a bio cycle, um, a social, and a, even a spiritual illness. So it's, it affects our physical body, which is the bio. It affects our relationships with other people, social, um, and it affects our emotions and our mind. And it affects kind of you. I don't know. I like the way you described it earlier. Like your highest, like your highest version of yourself. Like that gets really dampened by the thing. So when we attack addiction, we need to attack all four of those things. So we want to heal the body and the brain. That's really important. And we do that basically through the way that we eat. Um, we want to be in connection with other people. That's super important. You need to find other people that eat like you do. Um, or you need to find like people that used to eat like you do. You, you do. That's even more important. Um, so... Um, Bitten and I use this concept of like the red dog and the blue dog. And so I don't know if you've ever heard that story about the, um, this like an, I think it's based in, in Native American like folklore, but there's a grandson talking to his grandfather and the grandfather is explaining that there's two wolves inside each person. One is like the wolf of anger and resentment and frustration. And the other is like the wolf of calm, peace and serenity. And the, and the little boy asks the grandfather, which one wins? And he says, oh, the one you feed. So we have to feed the right, we call that the blue dog, which is the recovery and the red dog is like the disease. So we have to feed the blue dog and starve the red dog. So we do that through those four main pillars, through eating properly, through maintaining connection with our network, through healing ourselves of our old thinking and old behaviors. And I think the network is like the biggest tool. If you can connect with other people that are like you and find them, we're use a couple of Facebook groups that are helpful too. Um, people that identify as, as being sugar or food addicted. Um, I think people get the camaraderie there and then the support. Um, I think that's the number one tool because even the food is like five to 10% of the puzzle. Um, cause now you've fixed your food. Okay. You've lost your weight. Basically you've treated a symptom. Weight is a symptom. Mm -hmm. So then what's left you're still the same person that you were you're still you still have that void and you took away the band-aid which was the drug foods that you were eating to cover up the hole so now you have a bullet hole covered with a band-aid it's still bleeding it, and it gets really messy and then that's when we start to negatively affect all the other people in our life um, like we get you know irritable and angry and not fun to be around so I, if someone were to do one thing, I'd say find a network. Mm. So do you have any recommendations for a Facebook group or Yeah, so resources? there's one group that's called Sugar Bomb in Your Brain. Sugar Bomb is one word. Um, that's a group that I run with Bitten Johnson. Um, and Facebook group? Yeah, that's a Facebook group. Yeah, uh, there are three questions you have to answer to get in. Um, but if, if you're a human, you can answer them. Well, yeah. Can. Great. It's a great uh, yeah. resource. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're so right. You know, we, we become our environment. I always talk about that. Um, because if we hang around five people who are eating sugar all day long, and you have decided that you don't want to eat sugar anymore, it's going to be almost impossible for you to accomplish that when you have it around in your environment. We do become our environment. If we hang around 
uh, street dogs all day, we're going to catch fleas, right? So that's right, that's right. Uh, we got to control that first and foremost. So I think that's a very important tip. Now, all four components are important. You don't want to you know, do one and not the other. But the point is that if you could start with your environment, you already have such a, a leg up on this thing. Then you start adding the other pieces and you'll, you'll get the results you want. So let's talk a little bit about diet because uh, my audience, they follow a high fat, low carbohydrate, ketogenic sure. approach. And we know that and you could explain a little bit more, fats compared to uh, carbohydrates, totally different metabolic response. So what sure. is it about healthy fats that do better for somebody who has a food addiction versus the carbohydrates? Yeah, so I think, I think the main problem is the dopamine pathway. So it seems like um, people have been seeking happiness, but, but really reaching for pleasure. And, and then they never really have happiness. So they have that void that you were talking about. So then they use carbohydrates to get that, that pleasure feeling. And then it doesn't, it doesn't do anything because it, 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 it doesn't last long. Um, you know, like you were saying that you, were, you had to eat something every couple of hours. You know, if you're lucky, um, it'll last that long. So um, I think the ketogenic process is really cool because it, um, it gets rid of that need for grazing seems like it keeps you it keeps you satiated and and full for quite some time um as opposed to the the carbs which just spike your blood sugar and then you crash mm-hmm. um i think the healthy fats are really important also in in healing in healing the body and the brain we know that the brain is largely composed of fat so if we knew that if we knew that addiction is actually in the limbic system in the reptilian brain um, and it's actually inside the reward center, which is inside the limbic system. And we know the brain is made of fat. It just makes sense to help the process by eating a plethora of fat. Yeah, right on. Uh, we, the brain is a fatty organ, like you said, 80, almost 80% made up of fat and our cells are made up of fat. So what about when it comes to keto? The, the, you know, it's a, Keto is very popular, which is good and bad. There's a lot right, of right, right. Co- co-opted products out there that are keto technically, but they have these trigger ingredients, right? So what are some things to look out for when it comes to keto foods that can trigger a food addiction? Sure. So I use this analogy like sugar is heroin and sweeteners are methadone. So you really want to be really careful with sweeteners. I think they're really dangerous. It seems like maybe they're not absorbed by the body, but they still elicit an insulin response. And so... Um, they Which sweeteners specifically? Because there's there's aspartame and then there's stevia and monk fruit. Uh, like, like the the full gamut. I don't, even I don't you're reckon. saying even stevia and monk fruit. Yes, I wouldn't encourage um, food addicts to eat them. Um, it seems like they become a problem. If they're not a problem yet, they're gonna they're gonna become one. So what happens with addiction is as we as we like enter into abstinence and then break away, maybe we have a relapse. Um, technically relapse doesn't occur until six months of sobriety is reached, but even sometimes we call it continued use. Like you didn't stop long enough to enter into a relapse. You just continued using. But the, the point is that as you go through that process of coming in and out of recovery, your disease gets worse and worse it's a progressive illness. So maybe in the beginning you're addicted to sugar, then you're addicted to sugar and flour. Then maybe a couple of relapses later, you're addicted to grains and then eventually you're addicted to sweeteners or some people can't even tolerate dairy. So it, butter usually is okay, but the other, the more milk derived dairy. So it's, it's just a matter of where you are in that spectrum. So my theory is why give you something that you're going to eventually become addicted to. Um, yeah. Why not just get rid of it now? Yeah, that makes sense. So what about, where does fruit fall into the, the this picture? Yeah. So 
I usually don't over overtly include fruit. I mean, some people can have berries on occasion, um, but it seems like fruit's not so helpful, um, especially for the people that are so sensitive. Like I, I know, like if I eat an apple, I'm gonna like want four more apples. Um, but if I get a handful of blueberries, I'll be okay. Uh, but I don't. I certainly don't eat fruit every day. Do you do you find do you help your clients in finding because addiction there's a lot of energy in addiction uh, and the way I view it I'm not an expert on addiction is uh, you could transfer that energy into something that is positive uh, and will yield a better outcome for you and for the world so do you teach any of that like hey um, what do you enjoy doing let's have a, a hobby you enjoy doing and finding some sort of avenue to direct that energy instead of just taking away whatever foods they want and taking away that energy and then having this void of energy to fill, or do you kind of direct them? Do you, what kind of exercises do you do with them to kind of Yeah. So them? it's, you have to fill it with something, right? I mean, and, and naturally we want to do it with something healthy. I, I tend to, um, I tend to focus in on like taking that time and energy into something good. I mean, it depends on the person really. Um, I think a lot of people, end up directing that towards the spiritual pillar. I think a, a lot of people where they, where they can get the camaraderie aspect of it, but also this, this like higher universal good, I don't know how else to describe it, um, like this force. And then what they end up, I mean, most addicts in recovery, what their hobby is, is helping other addicts in recovery. So that seems to be where they end up putting and getting the most passion. Here I am, I've come through the fire of this. I, it's still in my back burner. Like I still know that I have this thing that could take me out at any time. And I know that the one thing that's gonna keep, keep me immunity is by passing that on and helping someone else who's struggling. So I think that becomes, for the most part, the majority um, of people in recovery, their biggest hobby. Yeah, I, I love that idea. So if you're somebody right now who's, you have a food addiction or you're going through a process, I think it's a great thing to do where you go through it, you heal yourself, and then you start teaching other people how to do it. That's a great uh, lesson to be learned. You know, there's something to, to, to consider because that is directed energy to help people who are going through something similar. So I love that people do that. I think it's very important. Uh, it, it's a tricky subject. So there's a lot of information out there on food addiction, how sugar can be as addicting as cocaine, the same part of your brain right, lights right. up. Uh, and yeah, studies do show that. So what are, what are some things that you can suggest that control that part of the brain that lights up with a sugar or a drug craving? Or is there any supplement you recommend or anything, anything somebody can do in a practical way? Yeah, so uh, a lot of people find L-glutamine, the amino acid, really helpful. So... Um, in the beginning, we have them take it between meals and then before bed. So like upon awakening, between breakfast and lunch, between lunch and dinner, and then um, pretty much before bed. Uh, the important thing about that is you do it in cool or tempered water, not hot water, because it will will neutralize. Um, that can be really helpful. The other thing we really focus in on is breathing. It seems like people don't breathe right. So um, it seems like we have this thing about like breathing and then holding air in our lungs and then breathing out. Whereas really need that carbon dioxide to be a vasodilator. So it's much more beneficial to breathe in, breathe out and then pause. So, um, I do this, I kind of engage people and there's a system called conscious breathing. It's by Anders Olsen. He's out of Sweden. Um, and uh, another thing that's really helpful is I thought I saw you mention in one of your other posts about sleep tape. 
that's like huge. Um, it seems like most people that are overweight and even just sugar addicted are mouth breathers and the mouth is like a large hole and, um, that's designed for eating. And the nose is like, has like turbines and filters. It moistens the air. It does all these fancy breathing things. So breathing through our mouth, it would completely bypassing all the benefits of breathing through your nose. So yeah, that's I, another tool that's really helpful. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden your fat burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden your cells produce energy. So you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out, order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the L-glutamine tip. I, I give that same tip to people. I always say L-glutamine will help you wean. So great tip right there. And then the mouth taping is fantastic. Um, and then and the, salt, the salt is really helpful, especially in the beginning, like a lot of it. Yeah, like sea salt. salt shots. Yeah, yeah, like natural, what I call dirty sea salt. Yeah. Dirty sea salt. What do you mean yeah. by that? I mean, it's in pretty much in it, as close to natural as you can get. Oh, Sometimes there's like brown and green specks in it. You know, it looks got dirty. It. Yeah, that'll help. That'll help for sure. So those are some great tips for you keto campers. Uh, the mouth taping is a, a great little hack. I've been doing it for my sleep. It helps me get better sleep. I track it with my aura ring. Um, you don't have to buy it from a company, although Somnifix is a company that has it, but you could just do it yourself. There's other ways to tape your mouth. But like David said, a lot of people are mouth breathers, breathers myself included. So this is going to force your body essentially to use your nose, which helps not just with what David shared, but also activating your parasympathetic nervous system. So many mm. people are in this constant fight or flight, high stress. So this is a great way to balance that. And you could do it not just when you're sleeping, but throughout the day as well. Um, so great tips right there. Anything, anything else you want to add before we move on here? Um, the only other thing I would have people kind of notice is uh, try to notice when you hold your breath. Because like I notice like if I'm backing up in my car, like I have my arm, I have my mouth closed and I'm not breathing. Like there's all these instances where like our body's engaging in a fear-based system and fear is pretty much the opposite of recovery. So um, when we're living in fear, we're living in our disease. So uh, just kind of take note of like, have you, if you're not breathing, cause like we need to breathe 
and our body reacts to that lack of breathing as a threat. And then we go into like the stress mode. You mentioned the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's definitely, it's definitely right in there. Yeah, great. Great. Having that awareness of when you're holding your breath. Yeah, totally. Me too. I do that at times. Um, are there any books that you would recommend or any other resources for somebody to understand more about food addiction? Yeah, so Vera Tark, the Vera Tarman, she's a MD in Toronto. She runs this place called Renaissance or Renaissance. It's a, a treatment center for women, but they now have a food addiction program. Anyway, so she wrote this book called Food Junkies. Um, that's definitely a good place. Um, Bitten Johnson's book isn't in English yet, um, but it's it's literally the title is Sugar Bomb, but in Swedish. Um, I'm so working if you're Swedish, on a, you could read it. Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, but she's working on the English. Um, I'm working on a book now. Um, it doesn't even have a title yet, but uh, it's coming. And it's, it'll include a, like a style of eating for food addicts and stories of people who have come through the other side and uh, basically want to help others to achieve that same thing. It's about incremental change um, instead of because some people go cold turkey and some people don't like that. So mm. it's, it's about you can just do these little things and make a huge difference in your health. Very cool. Do you have an estimated time of uh, when that'll be released, your book? It should be soon. Um, I'm finalizing my part now and my co-author is, is doing the same. So um, there'll be definitely more information coming. Cool. That's awesome. All right. So I have, my, uh, have some rapid fire questions for you. Go Dan. ahead. Are you, are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite food? My favorite food is meat. Meat. Um, <laughs> so like uh, like a grass-fed piece of steak, like, something like that? Yeah, like I uh, really like uh, chuck. How do you like it cooked? Um, basically, I sear it and put it in a pan and put it in the oven and let it cook for five hours at like 220. That sounds great. I'm, going, I'm coming over, dude. What's the first thing you think of in the morning? To pray. What's the best piece of advice you've ever heard? Um... Yeah, I had a chef he once told me, he's like, you got to work just as hard as what, at, at what you suck at as you work at what you're the best at. What about the worst advice? Oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> Favorite TV show growing up? Favorite TV show growing up? Oh, honestly, I hate to say this, but probably the Cosby show. If you had one superpower, <laughs> what would it be? Um... Jeez, that's a hard one. Uh, I, I'd like to fly, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, who do you admire the most? Uh, honestly, my mom. She just showed me how to recover at a young age and really set a powerful example. How old were you when you recovered? Oh, uh, I'm, my sobriety date is November 17th, 2017. So it was like two and a half years ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, what's your favorite current hobby? My favorite current hobby, honestly, helping other addicts. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? The strangest thing I've ever eaten? Um, I had ostrich. Yeah, I've had that too. I actually tasted pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, it's strange to some people. Uh, yeah, nice. it, was, it was good. I liked it too. So what, what's, you have the book coming out. What else is, are you excited about? What are you, what are you working on right now that really pumps you up? We're about to launch some groups. So I'll be launching some like by like every other week, sugar addiction groups that's coming like this week. Um, I'll be sending out information about that. Um, and then I'm hoping to in a very soon launch like, a, like an online course to, you know, basically um, brass tacks on how to get 
you know, how to learn how to eat, how to use the tools, um, how to engage in recovery and then how to prevent relapse. So putting that together now, um, that's pretty much what's coming. Where can my audience learn more about the groups and the program, the future programs? Yeah. So, um, my website, triggerfreenutrition.com. There's a email list, sign up there. That's probably the best way to get information. Um, and then, or follow me, follow me on Twitter or Facebook. Um, my Facebook page is Trigger Free Nutrition, and um, my uh, Facebook uh, Twitter handles Trigger Free underscore RD. What What do you? Um, what is your definition of perfect health? The physical, mental, spiritual, um, and the emotional wellness. Yeah. I don't know. That's a really hard question, man. I know. <laughs> Last question for you is what are you grateful for today? Oh my, my, oh my God. Oh, everything. I mean, I'm grateful for this conversation. Um, I'm grateful that I'm in recovery. Um, I'm grateful for my family that they put up with me long enough for me to get well. I'm grateful for the people that came before me and, and showed me this path. I'm grateful for my mentor. I'm grateful for ketosis. <laughs> I mean, um, the list goes on and on. Awesome, brother. Yeah, I'm also grateful for this conversation. You're doing great work. I mean, you healed yourself. Now you're healing other people. I acknowledge you it's for a that. Gift. It's a gift. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're, you're doing it, man. You're out there. Like I said, we're a lot of alignment here. So go, go check out David's work. We'll put the resources that he mentioned in the notes of this podcast and on YouTube down in the description of this video. Uh, final words you want to leave for the Keto Campers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hope is available to everyone and everyone can recover from this thing, um, whether you think you can or not. And, and the last thing I really leave is um, you got to learn to howl before you can find your pack. So just ask for help. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, David, thank you so much for this conversation, brother. I had a great right. time with you. You got it. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with David Wolf and you got some key takeaways to help you overcome this addiction. Feel free to Check out David Wolf's website. He's got a lot of great resources on there. You could contact him, maybe work with him, and overcome this for good. His website is triggerfreenutrition.com. I will put a link for it down below in the notes of this episode. And if you got any value from this episode, please just leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening from. It really does help the show grow when you just take 30 seconds to leave a quick rating and review, and send this to a friend who you know has a, an addiction to sugar, to carbs, or whatever. This could make a big difference for them if you just send them to them. You never know. You could change their life just by texting this to them. A reminder that I have my free Keto Kickstart Guide over at KetoKickstartGuide.com, and uh, take a screenshot, if you haven't done so already, of this episode posted on Instagram. Shoot us a tag at KetoCampOfficial and at TheBenazadi. I want to thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. 
Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.